Welcome to Beyond the Roadmap, Product Talk with AWH, a podcast for product people, by product people. Join us as experts share their experiences and expertise to help you build great products. I'm Ryan Frederick with AWH, and this is Beyond the Roadmap, where we talk about product management and product discipline with someone in the field. And um, we certainly have that this time with Derek Hart. Derek, thank you for doing this. Thanks for having me. Uh, and I'm not saying this just because you're you're having this conversation now. I've always respected you and your um, contribution to the community and your participation because you you help in lots of ways and. I hosted a big table for the Columbus Foundation, which is our community foundation here in Columbus. Yeah, that was great. And your comments were fabulous. Your remarks are always very thoughtful and very articulate. So I thought your participation in it actually made that 90 minutes or, or whatever it was that we were together doing that. I thought that your comments really contributed to make that a good time. Thank you. Thanks for hosting the big table. Yeah, it was fun. It was fun. And they're a client of ours, so it's... Um, and it's, I think it's it's a cool initiative that we have to sort of figure out how do we how do we scale it and how do we um, sort of uh, mechanize it, you know, so mm-hmm. that there are the abilities to take ideas out of that and and they have some runway and they get you know they get some traction potentially. So um, there's some work to be done with it, but um, you know they're thinking about those things too, yeah. um, which is which is interesting. So. Let's jump into it. We're going to talk about you a little bit. We'll talk about project management uh, or product management a little bit. And we'll talk about root and, and sort of what happens there from a product perspective. We can talk about project management, too. If we you can talk about project management, too. I've done my time. Right. Yes, I think as we all have, um, anybody who's been doing this. And actually, that's an interesting sort of... Um, thing too because even though i made you know the the freudian slip there the two still often get sort of confused or interwoven or isn't product management just a different slice and sort of turning project management on its head what say you about the differences between project management and product management and is there a line of demarcation that is clear and obvious of course, I think there is. I'd like to get your take on it. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, we, we do get that a lot, I think, especially here in the Midwest, where product management's relatively young, relatively speaking, as far as the industry is concerned. And uh, I don't know, for, for a lot of folks who are external to product management, uh, who haven't done the job or haven't been exposed to product management, it, it is really easy to get them confused. You know, it's, it's not maybe clear and obvious. I think the, there, there are two ways that I tend to, differentiate the two in my mind. Um, One is that project management is about trying to manage certitudes and things that you know and things that are quantified. Product management, on the other hand, is trying to to manage uncertainty and, you know, just bring some order to the chaos. And another way to think about it, too, is that, you know, project, which you manage as a project manager, uh, is done at some point. Product, on the other hand, is never done. It might be done if you delete all the code, but other than that, a product's never done. Yeah, I think those are great perspectives around it. And I, th- I think the, the certitude, I think, is, is really an important point uh, because product, you're, you're, you're always sort of taking market factors into consideration and customer feedback and, pro- and prospective customer feedback, your own vision for the product. And so it's this sort of amalgamation of lots of different viewpoints and perspectives to help sort of inform what the right decisions are mm-hmm. and what the right trajectory is. 
project management's much more about what are we doing, who's doing it, when's it going to be done, yep. and it's 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 a much a much more task sort of oriented um, mission. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And uh, there's there are components of project management within product management. I, I I'm not sure that I know a product manager who isn't adept at project management, but they're they're definitely two very different mindsets and two different disciplines. Yeah. So I mentioned Root. What's your role right now at Root and how long have you been doing that? And so far, so good? Yeah. Yeah. So I'm a product manager at Root. I've been there for about six months. So uh, for anyone, excuse me, anyone who's listening who doesn't know, Root is essentially working on unbreaking the automobile insurance industry. So what we do is we provide a mobile first platform for providing people with auto insurance rates based primarily on how they drive rather than the traditional insurance model, which is based primarily off of demographics and a number of different risk factors. And so I joined the Root team uh, near the end of August of 2018. And since then, I've been helping them with primarily customer self-service, customer success, scaling, uh, how we interface with our customers, that sort of thing. So what's your journey been into product management? Uh, oh boy. It's uh how, how how did you end up here with with carrying this moniker? Yeah, well, you know, it's it like like a lot of product managers uh in the Midwest and probably a lot of product managers globally, I had a very circuitous route into product management and that I just sort of fell into it. I was um I started my career as a product manager, t- well, titled as a product manager uh, at a company called Call Copy which was a startup here in Columbus. They ultimately went through an acquisition, but I was their director of client services. So I worked with our customer support team and our, um, our implementations team. And that was a lot of project management in addition to you know, people management, people leadership. And these roles started popping up within the company. Uh, I think that the one that I uh, went for specifically internally was technical product manager. And I didn't really know what that meant. Uh, I'm not sure that anyone within my professional circle knew what that meant. Sounded cool, though. It sounded Technical great. Technical product manager right, sounds yeah. very, you know, elitist and sort of aloof. All I knew is that I was going to get to work with engineers, and I was going to uh, at least have some capability to have ideas in my head magically turn into real things, which also sounds extraordinarily cool. What's not to like? Yeah. Uh, and so, like I said, I, I, I fell into it. I had, fortunately, I had a background in the product that we were developing. So Call Copy worked on uh, contact center workforce optimization solutions, which is just a fancy way of saying we provided software to help call center managers manage all of the people who work for them. I also have a, a long kind of sorted history in the contact center industry. So having led contact center teams and, and worked a lot within contact centers and contact center management, it was kind of a natural fit for that product. So I had, I had some domain expertise that allowed me to transition pretty smoothly from where I was at into a product role. So how does, and I want you to keep going with your journey, yeah. but you said something that's, that's I think interesting there. How much domain expertise helps um, a product manager be a better product manager, and is domain expertise a requirement, or is it just sort of icing on the cake if you have it? Yeah. So what I've learned is that it depends. It depends a lot, and I think that it depends not only on the individual and the individual's business acumen generally, but it also depends on the organization and what. Uh, this is going to sound kind of loaded, but but kind of what stage in the organization's product journey they're in. Mm-hmm. And the reason that I say that is because I think that. 
like call copy was relatively early in its product journey. It was still adopting and uh, adopting the discipline and figuring out how to be good at product. And so for them, I believe having domain expertise was really important because it allowed me to do my job effectively without necessarily understanding and embracing what I would consider today to be the fundamentals of product management. I think that what we find as people grow in their careers and as organizations grow in their own product journey, the skills, the practices, the mindset, it all becomes a lot more fungible. So unless you're doing something extraordinarily specialized, and I think that there are clear cases for specialization in product management. For the most part, a product manager can be effective in an industry where they may not necessarily have a lot of domain expertise. Mm -hmm. I have no insurance background, for instance. I have literally zero background in automobile insurance. And I know you'd have to talk to the folks at Root, but I like to think I'm doing a pretty okay job. Yeah. Yeah, I think that whole conversation around domain expertise is is a fascinating one about, you know, does that does that accelerate your ability to be a more effective product manager in a particular company on a particular product if you've got some legacy sort of domain expertise that is just going to give you a leg up? Some would say that a certain amount of expertise, though, is baggage. And it really depends on the kinds of problems that you're tackling. And the reason that I say that is because, you know, we all carry baggage with us throughout our we're all, our, our careers, we're all our biased lives. to some degree in lots of different ways throughout our lives based upon our historical experiences, yep. right? Yeah, that's it exactly. And so if I look at, for example, the, the vast problem space associated with contact center workforce optimization, I already have all these biases. I have these solutions pre-baked into my head. I have knowledge of the competitive landscape. I don't want to overgeneralize in terms of product people broadly, but I know myself, I would start making a mental checklist of all of the things that I think workforce optimization software should do without necessarily paying as much uh, attention to or maybe empathizing with my customers as much as I ought to, you know, really solving the core problems because in my head, I have this preconceived notion of what this solution should be. Right. Okay. So you're at Call Copy. You're now this, this, very important technical product <laughs> manager and and you know you're conquering the world you're building great you know calls contact center workforce management software products yeah and that's well, where i interrupted you yeah well it was it was trial by fire uh, on a couple of counts so my very first assignment i guess i would call it as a technical product manager with call copy was compiling a 95 page requirements document to outline some new feature that we were we were going to be developing for the next six months. Whoa, that's one beast of a requirements document. It was pretty heavy. So and then the, so that that's that's what I thought product management was. I thought it was the compilation of requirements. Uh, I was kind of borrowing from the the traditional product delivery waterfall mindset. You know, you you go and you squirrel squirrel yourself away and figure out how something is going to function, and then you hand it to the developers and they go do that thing, and then you you know it's just this back and forth tossing things over the wall. It was also really interesting because um, the product really isn't around anymore, so I have no compunction about saying this. I mean, I inherited a literal dumpster fire as far as the product was concerned. The people those who, are always fun. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, the the people who worked on it were were great, and they they delivered uh, what they could deliver in uh, a, a wonderful capacity. There were just fundamental problems with some of the assumptions that we had made about the product. We had made some technical decisions that prevented us from scaling the product effectively. And not all of the, you know, the, the, the product ecosystem was considered in its development in that you know, there were just myriad support issues and edge cases that no one had thought of. So it was a real, real roller coaster ride for my first foray into the product management. 
the, the company Call Copy was ultimately acquired by a company called In Contact, which in turn was acquired by another company called Nice, which is funny because Nice was one of the biggest competitors of Call Copy at the time. It's another story for another time, probably. But that was actually kind of a, a, a leap in my career because I found that In Contact actually had a much more mature product management function than Call Copy did. So I was uh, inadvertently thrust into this company that that had people from whom I could learn. We had the product discipline specifically. Uh, people had just been doing product for a really long time and I could you know, bounce ideas off of them, bounce my product problems off of them and, and really grow as a product manager being surrounded by a community, so to speak. Even though that community was partly remote, the, the, the company that acquired us was based out of Salt Lake City. So I started to catch glimmers of these things what that I could didn't be? know. Yeah, 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 what product management could be relative to what it was and that really just set me off on this journey where i have just never looked back it, do you think that because uh, when i talk to product people now product management and sort of the the craft of product and the discipline of product is where they always should have been it's the you know sort of amalgamation of a lot of their skills and a lot of their interests do you sort of feel that way do you feel like product management is the discipline that you were sort of meant to do given your level of interests and your skills and the things that you're good at and you like doing i absolutely do yeah i i really think that professionally i've found my calling if you're going to put me in a box it's going to be a product management box Please don't put me in a box. But if you have to, yeah. that's, that's where I'm going to go. And uh, in, in addition to what landed me in a product management role, I, you know, I mentioned I've done my time in project management. So I've done large-scale enterprise IT project management. I've dabbled in software engineering. I had a couple of paid freelance gigs working in you know PHP and MySQL. But it, it, was, it was just never something that... I like to say I'm not smart enough to be a software engineer, but you know, just really, I just didn't have the the rigor, and my brain isn't wired up in the right way really to be successful at yeah, that job. And it just didn't get you sort of as fired up and engaged. Exactly, and project management was the same way. Uh, I could do it, I was okay at it, but I just really didn't get excited about it. But kind of taking those things, putting them in a box, shaking them up real hard, and out comes product management. It's this thing that uh, I've I've really found some professional passion around. Yeah. It seems like, because we all have our individual sort of um, cultural center around product, like we we either are sort of data-driven or we're technical or we are brand or design-driven from as a product person. And I think the same is true for companies. I think companies have a product culture. Oh, yeah. What do you think your product culture is? What do you think your product DNA is? Do you lean, you know, one way or the other? What do you think Roots is? And is in how important is that alignment? Or if there, or if there are differences there, can a product manager who's maybe design-driven or brand-driven still be effective inside of a product organization that, let's say, is data or tech-driven? Man, those are such good questions. Are we going to talk about my personal brand a little bit? We can. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. I'm totally kidding. Uh, so I, I actually was having this conversation with another product manager at Root. Um, uh, I think that what I've found is that my style of product is very much oriented around consensus building. And what I mean by that is that I, I take uh, a lot of time and I enjoy and I'm very intentional about... You're going to run for political office, aren't you? No. God, no. 
<laughs> are, are there allowed to be expletives in this podcast? Because you almost drew one out. <laughs> sure. Yes. I, uh, I don't know if you want that little e icon or not. Um, Unfortunately, I swear all the time doing this stuff, and my mom is not happy about it. But you know, um, it, you know, sometimes you just get passionate about something. Right. Some. Well, yeah. So that that's one of the things I get very passionate about not doing. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but uh, but no, I, I really um, the one of the things that that, that just really um you know really jazzes me about product management is the facilitation component of it it's it's bringing together diverse and disparate minds into the same room and again not to be cliche about it but uh you know you you get these individual components into a conversation and what comes out of it is much much greater than the sum of its parts and i love that about it and that includes what i would called the, the complete product ecosystem, which I sort of alluded to earlier. So it's about bringing in the customer voice, bringing in the, you know, the stakeholder voices into the conversation, making sure that the engineers have a seat at the table, and really bringing everyone together who's practical to bring together and having the conversation about solving a problem that's important to your customer and also is important to your business. And I just love that about product management. I think that there are other product managers um, at root, even, uh, you know, who are more data driven. There are other product managers who are more action oriented. And by that, I mean, they get an idea and they're going to try it immediately and just see what happens. And maybe they won't talk to a whole lot of people and that's okay. And that kind of gets to what I think is the, the spirit of your other question about root and their style of product and that traditionally and, and very much still um, root has taken a data driven approach to product. Um, which clearly has worked out phenomenally in Root's favor. So this is this is a fun fact. You may not know this, but the reason that I work at Root today is because I attended a startup grind where you spoke with Dan. Oh, really? Yes. And I wrote a note to Clara the very next day after that startup grind. And I said, look, I, I don't care about car insurance, but hearing Dan talk about this thing that he's building just got me so excited. I really want to have a conversation. So that was like two years ago, you know, but... So I've, I've had my eye on them for a yeah, while. Yeah, no, that's super cool. Uh, I didn't know if you knew that, but... No, now, I didn't. Now you know you're the reason that I work at Root. Yeah, thank you. Um, thank you for telling me. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That's cool. Um, so in any case, you know, I kind of learned about their approach to product there. And as I got to know the company and got to know people who worked at the company, I, I got to learn about um, just just how analytical and how data-driven they were and just how how brilliantly they have oriented their experimentation to collect as much information as possible about how to be successful and how to make their customers successful. And there are a lot of product folks who uh, have joined Root and some product folks who have grown up at Root who really embrace that, you know, we're, we're going to look at data, we're going to analyze these results, we're going to figure out how what we observe in the world is going to take us on this trajectory. And I think at, at, at Root and at any company, having other product managers, and there are other types of product managers there as well, having other product managers with uh, different approaches to problems just helps round things out. It helps to make sure that you're looking at problems through different lenses. It helps make sure that you're uh, considering different approaches to problem solving. And so you know, we do have product managers there who are very, very growth oriented. We have product managers there who are very data driven. We have product managers like myself who are much about building consensus and and bringing a level of empathy to the conversation that you know, the data doesn't necessarily provide. So generally speaking, I think that it's important for uh, organizations if they've grown to a point where they have multiple 
product people on board that they build a, a diversity of skills and a diversity of mindset so that they can solve the complete problem, not just one component of it. It was a very long-winded answer to your question. No, it was, it, was, uh, it was a very good one. And I think all of the context that you gave to it was appropriate because I think that um, we, we often don't pay enough attention to how we like to work and, and sort of our personal work culture and how that operates inside of a greater culture of, of a department or a discipline like product and then, you know, on a greater scale, even, you know, the company as a whole. Mm. So you're very active in the Columbus product community with the, pro- the Columbus Product Club, yep. the Lyft Product Conference. You're involved in um, at least one nonprofit that I'm aware of. Mm-hmm. So why is that important to you? Is it that um, you're just sadomasochistic <laughs> and you just don't ever want to be at home? Um, I hate free time. <laughs> right. Uh, you, st- you don't never want to be bored. Um, no. So you, you actually alluded to this earlier. I had a dawning realization as I was getting into product that this was, it was a part of my identity. And I just didn't realize that it was a part of my identity. So when I was uh, taking a quick step back, when I was at call copy and i can't remember which iteration of call copy this was but i was in the building that was at one point call copy i was still trying to get my legs under me as a product manager and just figure out what this whole thing was about and And was there anybody to go talk to and there there probably weren't even at that time a lot of books or conferences or blog posts or a lot of content around the discipline at all right are you saying i'm very old i'm not implying (laughs) that whatsoever (laughs) i'm just i'm just kidding this this i mean this was of the two of us in this conversation let's be clear one of us is significantly older than the other fair um All of the, <laughs> all of the, uh, all of the product managers at Call Copy were homegrown, every single one of them, uh, and they they were all great. But we didn't have the external injection of product talent that I think is really needed for anyone to really take off in their career. So I remember asking one of the HR folks. Uh, one of the, it, was, it was a smaller company. So the HR person was also very focused on uh, personal and professional development. I remember asking him point blank, like, hey, are there any professional organizations? Are there any events that I can go to so I can figure out what the hell I'm doing in this role? And the answer was no at the time. So um, later... I stumbled upon, I don't even remember how, um, Brett Buchanan and the, the folks at the Columbus Product Club who were, who were building that out. And just immediately I was, I was there. I was just thinking, yes, please give me as much information as I could possibly tolerate. I want my head to explode because I really want to get good at this thing that I have this, this glimmer of a notion that is really going to be the thing for me and the thing that I want to do. And so, uh, you know, getting back to this, this dawning realization that, that this is, this is what I want to be when I grow up. This is what I want to do professionally. These are the kinds of problems that I want to solve and how I want to go about solving them. And what I've found as I've gotten more and more involved in the community is that in the Midwest, where we are not necessarily intentionally or willfully, but nevertheless somewhat shielded from the influences of the coasts, where you see a lot of maturity in product management, there are people who are doing product, living product every single day, and they have no idea product isn't in their title right i've I've come across countless project managers who are doing product i've come across countless scrum masters who are doing product i mean hell half the entrepreneurs in the city don't understand that they are actually product managers of the highest caliber absolutely and 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 they should and and so i run around beating that drum all the time (laughs) because 
two things I think for entrepreneurs that they have to have a mindset around and they have to embrace. They have to be the company's first best product manager mm -hmm. and they have to be the company's first best salesperson. Mm -hmm. So you better figure out your, your product customer fit and then once you figure that out, you better understand what the value proposition is so that somebody's actually going to want to buy the damn thing. Yeah, yeah, that's it. And so I, one of the reasons I've gotten so involved in the community is because I feel like I have, I've gotten, I've taken so much enrichment from the community and how open and welcoming and collaborative the technology community in Columbus is uh, that I want to give back. And I want other people to find uh, that product is something that they love and something that they enjoy. And some people are going to find that it's not something they love and it's not something they enjoy. And they want to be a project manager, and that's fine. But every now and again, there's going to be a project manager who is slogging away in Gantt charts and risk registers, and they're just thinking, you know, this isn't for me. There's got to be some other delivery mindset that I can really sink my teeth into, and I, I, I really want to help them understand what product management is and that it's a viable career path and, and how they can go about getting there. Yeah. And I'm biased. And this is probably true for any um, group that you have some sort of um, affiliation with and you, and you have some, uh, some chemistry with. Product people, I think, are some of the most fascinating, interesting, complex people too. Because I think people that are, that are attracted to product are very multidimensional themselves. Mm -hmm. So I think it's an, it's, a, it's an interesting group of people to, to hang around with professionally and sort of personally because I think they bring lots of different perspectives and, mm -hmm. and um, views to, to things. I agree. I, I never thought that I would say this, but some of my best friends are product managers. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I think, there's, I think there's something there. Um, it's maybe a tribe, you know, to use an overused term. Yeah. So when you think about product now as a discipline – it's maturing, yep. right? So now there are, there's lots of content. There's lots of posts. There are conferences. There are books. There's lots of stuff. I think that's a sign of a maturing ecosystem and yes. discipline. Yeah, I think so. There's also a fair amount of, of misguided information and sort of a lot of crap and, and a lot of people that are now um, – getting you know up on a pedestal and saying that you should follow their lead and how to do product and when you sort of dig in you sort of peel back the layers you realize oh well they actually haven't ever built a successful product and credit to them they've capitalized them on a moment in time and an opportunity to um, become an expert right in a field where there isn't a lot of substance to back up you know what what they're saying mm -hmm. do you agree that that's sort of where we are and is that is that a natural sort of evolution and how dangerous is it that people are now sort of positioning them as a, themselves as product experts that maybe don't have the chops and sort of the the legacy of actually having done product well to be positioned as an expert so in in addition to everything that that you said kind of the setup to that question i think that well i know product is really hot right now as well just in general yeah uh, we we haven't again i i I don't in any way intend to be disparaging of the Midwest. We're doing a lot of really amazing things here. But in the Midwest, we're a little bit shielded from this. But especially out in the coasts, there's just so much buzz and so much hype about product management. People want to be product managers. There are, uh, there are schools spinning up. Uh, product school is one of the prominent national schools where they will 
you know, people are paying money to figure out how can I be a good product manager. People are chomping at the bit to get product internships, et cetera. So there's, there's a bit of hype, I think, just mm-hmm. in general around product management and, and product's role in software delivery especially because that's really where the right. positions gained a lot of, of, of glamour. And so I think that it's, it's natural. Um, I'm not saying that it's ne- necessarily right, but I think that it's, it's natural for people to, to hit this sort of hype cycle at this yeah, point. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, and, and, and some folks, because product management is such a multi-layered, multi-faceted discipline, uh, I think that a lot of folks see components of product, uh, and maybe they've performed components of product, and they've been really good at that, and they've excelled at that. And so they think... Well, you know, now clearly I can help usher in the, the new wave of product managers. I can, I can help guide them and, and mentor them. And I, I think that there's, there is a little bit of, of danger, perhaps, maybe not sustained danger, but a little bit of danger with um, in myopic mentorship. If, if you really, really haven't done the job, if you haven't actually delivered a successful product, just because people who are eager to get into the discipline, who don't know anything about it because it's somewhat mystifying to begin with, they run the risk of, of just getting practices ingrained in their heads that might not get them off on the right fit, or excuse me, the right foot. All of that being said, you learn a lot really quickly when you actually get a job. Most, in my experience, most more mature product organizations have a high tolerance for informed failure and high tolerance for learning and missteps before you know you really get into trouble professionally or anything like that so i think that the 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 entire product uh the product community ecosystem that the professional product ecosystem has enough resilience to it that i'm not sure that uh that that, that much misguided information is going to do too much long-term harm i think some of the the longer-term harm that we really see in the industry is prescriptive product frameworks that are, you know, one size fits all. This is how you can do product and be successful. As an organization, you follow these eight easy steps and you're going to bring a winning product to market. Uh, I've seen a lot of those gain traction. Um, I'm not going to call any of them out by name, but I've, I've seen them gain traction, especially in larger organizations who are trying to figure out how to do product really well. Well, they just want to hit the easy button. They want to hit right? the easy, but they want to, they want to transform and that's right. fair. They get it. They see that they're kind of being left in the dust by these smaller, more nimble organizations. And they want to figure out, oh, God, you know, what the hell am I going to do to, to, to catch up? And so adopting these frameworks, taking these eight easy steps to product excellence seems like a great investment at the time. The reason that I say that I, I worry about some of the lasting damage that might have on product communities is because, for the most part, people graduate from companies now. You know, the, the era of people staying for 30 years at the same company is, I, mean, we, I think we've left that pretty far behind. Right. So I get really excited. This is going to sound weird. Bear with me. I get really excited sometimes about the prospect of people spending 18 months or two years or three years at Root and learning a lot of really amazing things. And then they graduate from Root for whatever reason. And then they take their skills and their expertise out into the community. And Columbus is a richer place for it. You also see the same thing in some of these organizations that have adopted these frameworks and these easy buttons, and people graduate from their organizations, and then the real world kind of smacks them in the face with, you know, everything you know 
is maybe not wrong, but you certainly haven't seen the, the complete picture. Yeah, at least the way you've been practicing product yeah. was at a very sort of superficial and sort of naive level. Naive is a great way to put it. Yeah. yeah. Do you think, because it's a, it's, a, it's a great area of discussion, do you think established companies, mostly at the enterprise level, who've not been great product companies... Sometimes they've carved out, you know, market space because of regulatory advantages or, you know, just longevity and sort of haft and weight, but they've never really been good product companies. Can a company who's now an enterprise company who's traditionally not been good at product, can they transform to get good at product? I think they can. And um, I don't think that this is the spirit of what you said, but I don't think that it's necessarily the case that they were never good at product. I think that they were good at product in the ecosystem in which they sat, you know, taking advantage yeah. of those, those regulatory Fair things. Fair enough. Right. Those were, you know, the, the kind of legacy ways that we had of building products right. and building legacy technology. Legacy business like, models. That's, right. that's what we had. It's what we knew. It's like anything else that's evolving in practice. And, and at some point, they were probably on the forefront of innovation. Otherwise, they wouldn't be who they are today. They capitalized upon something. Yeah, no, it's a and great, the, the it's only a great reason point. that I, Yeah, yeah. And again, I don't think that, that you had any sort of disparaging intent or spirit behind what you're saying. But the reason that I wanted to set that up is because I do absolutely think that enterprises, regardless of their size, can begin to adopt this you know, the, the, a more modern product mindset. And that's really the, the way that I tend to characterize the way that we do product today is not, it's not this is product management, it's this is modern product management. Like, I, I get the way that the, um, I don't even remember what the society's called that spun up in the, the mid-70s. That's like the kind of the old guard product managers. That was a thing, and they were very successful doing that. But there's a more modern way of approaching business in general that I think modern product management has really capitalized upon. And, I think enterprises, and I've I've seen enterprises personally who were able to adapt. I think that it's hard. There's a lot of cultural baggage. There's a ton of inertia, organizational change management, as much as that word leaves a bad taste in my mouth. it's It's a real thing, and it takes real investment. So far, the most successful transformations that I've seen have really started with kind of grassroots campaigns and and a groundswell of let's just try to be fast and nimble and innovative. And a lot of times that happens in the technology organizations and no one's going to be able to see this, but I'm doing air quotes. The business kind of struggles to keep up actually with the, the pace that the technology teams can now move. And so then it creates this tension between, well, here's how quickly our technology teams can move. Folks who have traditionally been siloed over on, again, air quotes, the business side, can we work together a little bit more collaboratively? You know, so there, eventually there, there gets to be this back and forth and more of an integrated, real modern product delivery team. And so I think that that can happen in the enterprise. It can't happen all at once, though. And I think that's where a lot of enterprises kind of try these things and then they, they fail and it's really discouraging. So they try to, to go through these massive transformations all at once. They try to get 1,000 people or, or 2,000 or 5,000 people all on board with a new way of work. And without fast results, without quick wins, people just aren't going to adopt it long term. Right. Well, and, and in some cases, there's a history of these massive transformations failing. So people then s- sort of know to just wait it out. And yeah. they know that if they don't get fast results and quick wins, that they'll go back to the old way of doing business. And so people have become a little bit disenfranchised because of the way that enterprises try to go at these, you know, you know, sort of big chunk transformations. Yeah. Yeah. 
So somebody new getting into product management now that you you meet, you know, in in, in your work at Root and, and as you're out in the community with the other stuff that we talked about, what advice do you give them and and what do you say and in what directions do you point them? The the two big things I think the thing well, I can say that the two big things that I've personally been challenged with as a product manager and two things that I've really had to work to overcome are one, leaving your assumptions at the door. Uh, and by that, I mean really recognizing your own cognitive biases, really recognizing all of the things that exist in your head, the, the baggage that you carry with you. And don't, while there, there's a delicate balance that you need to strike between depth of experience, the extent to which you can apply that to a new experience, and just approaching something and appreciating the newness of the thing and, and using all of your brain power to figure that thing out in a new way that isn't necessarily couched in all of those cognitive biases. So so that was one thing that I think is really challenging to overcome. We have all these assumptions going into something and consciously ridding yourself of those assumptions is, it turns out, really, really hard. The other thing, and this is totally a product cliche, but I think that it's really on point for new product managers, is love the problem, not the solution. That's the other thing that we see. And, and I again, I've been guilty of this as a a newer product manager, especially early in my career, I would get this idea and it was such a brilliant idea and it was such an elegant solution. And all I wanted to do was... The users are just going to love this. Of course they are. All of the the thousands or hundreds of thousands of users who are so clearly not me are going to love this brilliant idea that I had. And it's so easy to get lost in that. It's, It's naturally, it's natural for everyone to get lost in that. And there's a to be an effective product manager, you really have to set those things aside and let solutions and really the most elegant solutions emerge from a deep understanding of the problem. And that's really hard for, for anyone to do. It, it is. I, I, I run around giving a, a, a talk and the title is um, Why Human Nature Impacts Creating Successful Great Products, mm. basically. And one of the things that I, that I reference in there is this point that we are wired to we, we are wired to provide solutions because in our daily lives when someone presents us with a problem our first reaction is well we want to solve it <laughs> we want to we want to solve the problem for ourselves or this other person and so immediately jumping to solving sometimes means the problem doesn't get solved at all or it gets solved partially or at a superficial level that isn't sustainable and, and isn't viable right over a long period of time. And so I think a lot of, of product management is fighting human nature. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I think that um, that's one thing that new product managers have to be aware of. You've talked about it, solutioning early, coming in with a bias, leaving your, checking your assumptions at the door. All of these things are the way that we're sort of wired mm-hmm. as people just to operate really good product managers and really good product management is being open-minded but acknowledging the fact that you're going to take all of these inputs and you're going to you're going to go in the in the best direction based upon all these inputs not any preconceived idea or solution that you're trying to that you're trying to manifest it is uh, can you almost be egoless as part of the as part of the process yeah yeah and it challenges organizations too i mean if you think about if you think about organizational theory and the way that management has been trained to lead organizations culturally for decades it's been more about output than outcomes and so 
product management in or at an organizational level is much more about embracing outcomes than embracing output. But we've been wired as a professional culture to execute right. and uh, write all these lines of Deliver- code with deliverables. Yeah, right. Yeah. Absolutely. Right. In in time frames, which is where the Gantt charts come from. Right. Yeah. What's the biggest misconception of product and product management from people that are outside of the discipline? This may be contentious, but, well, and this this isn't, if, if I may talk about a misconception that's kind of inside of the discipline. Yeah. Because this, this is the one that, quite frankly, kind of rubs me the wrong way. And it's a little bit contentious, but yeah, I think there's this notion and selling point for product management, which I think is is... is a little off kilter, which is this idea of the product manager is the CEO of the product. I've personally not been in a position where I felt like I was the CEO of the product. And and I think that there are a few good reasons for that. You know, this, the CEO of a company is the CEO of a company because of the, uh, the accountability, the authority, and the influence that they have within the organization. Um, as a product manager, you get all of the accountability hopefully some of the influence but none of the authority and i think that it's really important to understand that and and a lot of um i think that i don't know i don't know this for sure but i would suspect that there have been many wayward product managers out there who started the job bossing around engineers and product designers and product analysts thinking well i'm the ceo of the product i get to call all the shots i get to make all the decisions and and i see that notion propagated a lot and i just think that it's it's a common misconception because product managers um most frequently lead by influence and, and quite frankly lead by the um, the professional and social capital that they've built up by being successful and, and facilitating the successful execution and delivery of products. Yeah. No, I love that. So so externally, the the most common well, golly, I don't I don't know if it's a misconception so much as just kind of a, a, a general mysticism around product management. Uh, you know, even people that I know very well. Yeah, like what is it? What yeah. Do, what do you, what, like what do you do on a daily basis? Yeah, right? yeah. So, I've, I mean, I've, I've held some sort of product management title now for five or six years, and there are still folks who will say, remind me again, are you a project manager? Or what do you do again? Product manager, yeah, what is that? What do you do? Right. Are you just in meetings all day? Yeah. Right. And usually the answer is yes, but, <laughs> you know. Uh, at root, what are some processes, systems, tools that you guys are using to facilitate being a good product company? The thing that I love about Root, and I am totally comfortable going on record as saying that I think that Root has one of the most mature product organizations in this city. One of the things that I love about Root is our our passionate and rapid experimentation to challenge all of the things that we know and figure out all of the things that we don't know. And it, it's really such it's a, a culture of learning that I personally have not experienced. And I'm not, I'm not trying to give your listeners like the root hype train. It's just really been really mind boggling in a good way and eye opening in a good way well, to see how a product organization can run. Well, I can back this up too, because Dan, um, Mangus not only did startup grant with me, but we did a session at an innovation summit thing that, um, Ohio state held a couple of years ago. And, one of the things that he said uh, while while we were doing the session was to value learning over knowing. Mm-hmm. And th- that is immensely powerful 
Because if you value learning over knowing, you're always going to be learning. You're always going to be getting better. You're always going to be improving. If you value knowing, you're sort of living in the past. Right. Because now you're valuing what you what you already know and what you already have, not what you don't and what you could have. Yep. So not just at product within Root. Sort of Root, I think, as a company overall, that's a philosophy that probably runs deep, but certainly within product, I think that's an invaluable perspective to have. Absolutely. And so when I think about the primary, maybe not the primary, but one of the most powerful tools in the product toolbox that Root is definitely living and breathing, it's this culture of learning, this culture of experimentation. And so quite honestly, when you talk about tools, you talk about processes, I would, I would hesitate to say that we have a standard way of doing things or a framework through which we deliver product because if we can learn quickly, then our teams will adapt to whatever enables and empowers those teams to learn quickest. And so, you know, there, there are a handful of software tools that we use. There are a handful of processes that different teams use in order to enable and empower that learning. But really, it's just all about how quickly can you have what's in your head hit the real world and make contact with the customers that you can learn about it. Yeah, that's great. Any closing thoughts? Anything that you would you know, like to uh, share or summarize your product um, journey and perspective? I mean, you know, as we established earlier, you know, you're an old timer at this point. <laughs> so you're, and this is old hat for you. So right. what sage wisdom, you know, would you, would you like to impart on, on folks that are listening that we haven't yet talked about? Yeah. So one of the, one of the big things that's been on my mind recently as a product professional, and this is the amalgamation of a lot of different things that I'm, I'm into. Uh, and I don't, I don't mean this to be a shameless plug necessarily, but you know, I'm, I'm on the board for the, the Columbus chapter of conscious capitalism. I'm deeply involved in, in give back hack, uh, you know, these organizations that have have deep social and, and community connections. And right. So, two of the 900 things that you're involved nine, in that right. I forgot to mention. Right? Because I hate free time. Uh, <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, but, but one of the things that's been on my mind as a product professional is how can we be authentic and successful and still connected to the communities that, that serve us? Um, and, and how can we do that in a way that enables us to to see beyond just the the core key performance indicators of a business and the success metrics of the business and incorporate what success looks like as a community and through all of the various stakeholders that that support a business. And I know that sounds really squishy and there will probably be people who listen to this that call me a socialist and that's fine. Uh, <laughs> but, but, you know, I, I, just, I, I think about some of the, the well-intentioned and later acknowledged missteps that some major exceptional product organizations have undergone, like some of the havoc that Airbnb has wrought in communities as a consequence of, of the, serv- the, the exceptional services that it delivers. This is just one example. Um, you know, some of the, the, the controversies that Google is getting into, which is, you know, that was probably one of the, the first best examples of an exceptionally performing product organization that you can see. You know, how, how do we learn from those who have blazed these trails before us to make sure that we're keeping the broader community, the broader ecosystem in which our product sits in mind? So I'm just, I've been thinking of ways to, to articulate that and, and think through that. And I think it's something that as product managers, uh, it's important for us to keep in mind because there isn't, there isn't like a, re- a required course in ethics or anything that we have to take. Right. 
But I think it's important if uh, it not only if, uh, th- there's a certain selfishness in it, right? I mean, if, if you're an unethical business person, that will certainly follow you throughout your entire life. But businesses more and more, I think, are recognizing that if they don't take a more conscious ethical approach to doing business, they're not going to survive in the long run either. Well, if you build, I totally agree, and it's a great closing concept. If you build a product and there is a sort of a dark side or an underbelly to the product that isn't transparent to users, then, you know, what obligation do you have to divulge that and expose it and to communicate that it's there so if you're gathering if you're if you're gathering data for example that you're going to use in some business model manner that you haven't informed users about but you're driving the product engagement and user experience to facilitate that data what level of obligation do you have as a product person at a product company to make sure that that's known and aware and that users are engaging in that of their own free will. Yeah, and, and in addition to all of that, even even beyond some of these kind of uh, you know whistleblowing scenarios that product professionals might find themselves in, I, I think that we are on the cusp of such rapid innovation in product delivery that we're, we're building, we're creating complex enough systems that we may not even understand or, or completely how it works. Right. And right. Yeah, exactly. And so when you look at these complex systems and, and the broader ecosystem of the global world that products are starting to touch the consequences and interaction effects of some of the decisions that we make as product managers affect real lives and real communities. And I I think the way to ourselves to think about that and and figure that out. Yeah, it's powerful, important stuff. So it's a great, uh, it's a great way to end. Derek, thank you for joining me. Thanks again Um, for having me. Everyone, Derek DeHart, product manager from Root Insurance Company. This is Brian Frederick with AWH, and this has been Beyond the Roadmap. Talk to you soon. Need some help with product? AWH is a digital product consulting, user experience, and software development firm here to help you create great digital products. Check out www.awh.net or follow us on Twitter at AWHNet to learn more.